0: You're listening to The Community
1: Pulse, a podcast about developer relations, community management, and all things tech advocacy. Let's see what our hosts are chatting about this episode.
2: Everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Community Pulse. Uh, I'm here with my co-hosts Jason, S.J., and Wesley, and we're going to get down to talking about hiring and recruiting in the modern era today. With our guests Will and Jill, who will introduce themselves in just a couple minutes. Uh, We want to kind of talk about what the episode's about. And this week, we're we're kind of touching on, you know, as the number of engineering and developer jobs continues to grow and the skill sets really diversify and get specific, DevRel has seen a wave of people being let go, followed by a sudden growth in hiring across the tech industry. Taking a look at these trends over the last year or so, we decided we'd want to go to the experts to explain how hiring looks from the recruitment side, what people can do to improve their hiring experience, and what's different in today's DevRel hiring landscape. So, of course, you know we always bring you the best guests on this show. So I want to give them a chance to introduce themselves. So, Jill, Will, take it away.
3: Hi, I'm Will Staney, and I'm founder and CEO at Proactive Talent. We are a you know, consulting Uh, company, helping companies modernize the way that they're hiring. Uh, So totally appropriate topic for me. Um, I've dedicated the past 10 years of my life uh, working with high growth, high tech companies, helping them modernize the way they hire to match both the candidate expectations and just the way that business is changing. Uh, I also run a community for professionals and I'm the former uh, head of talent at Twilio.
1: Cool. Uh, I am Jill Volner. I'm CEO and founder of Underpin, which is also a recruitment-ish consultant organization. It's a team of one, me, uh, or you can count my three dogs as well. So there's four of us. Um, And so we partner with small organizations, typically seed to series B, who are looking to grow their engine product orgs. Um, My background is Primarily technical recruiting, both individual recruiting myself and also leading technical recruiting teams uh, at companies like DigitalOcean and Fastly, uh, and also bookended by, well, when a decade ago I started, it was called HR, and 10 years later, it's called People. Um, So whatever you want to call it. Uh, And so, yeah, I tend to be very involved in engineering communities. Those are my people. And so I'm very happy to be back on the podcast.
2: And welcome back, Jill. And welcome, Will. And we're glad to have both of you here. Uh, I think we'll get into it with a pretty straightforward question. Uh, Something that's kind of been weighing on the mind, something we've been discussing a lot behind the scenes is kind of uh, as COVID came in, which is like the subject of half of every podcast we've done in the past year, uh, we kind of saw a drastic change in DevRel where suddenly a lot of DevRel teams went away. Some engineering teams went away. People were trying to figure out remote. But then in the Past few months, we've actually seen a big uptick in developer relations roles. So from a recruiting standpoint, is that something you agree with? Is that something you're seeing as well? Is this like a trend that it's not like we're looking from the inside out, but you're looking from the outside in? Do you see the kind of the same thing?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it was kind of interesting when when COVID hit, we were working with a lot of fast growth tech companies, uh, augmenting their technical hiring, and it was right around say april it just all paused as this thing really started to hit i think the first reaction that a lot of companies did was just freeze let's see what happens right and then slowly in q3 we started kind of pumping up but boy something happened this past december and and then january where postings and, and and i use a label market intelligence technology to to keep track of the market I use it to create strategy for clients and 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 look at competitive intelligence. And you look at this thing and it goes, it takes a dip in the spring summer. And then right as we get into December, January, it goes up as far as postings for overall developers and engineering talent, 3x here in January. Um, and I think I think what I what I think is happening is is I think companies have now started to figure out uh, remote work a bit, and they're also seeing that. They're not limited to just the Bay Area and New York anymore, or Seattle. That they can start, you know, accessing great talent throughout the whole U.S. and at cheaper levels. And so they're 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 pumping up their development because they are preparing for the acceleration of digital transformation. And because the big companies that I'm seeing hiring the most right now are like GE, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, non even big tech companies who are now becoming tech companies.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting for me to see and and be a part of. So when COVID happened, uh, DevRel and a lot of people like myself in the recruiting space were the first to get walked out the door. It was everyone who was really people focused um, because businesses started like losing their shit and thinking, we just got to keep the doors open. And these people feel like a nice to have, which we all know is BS, but it is what it is in, in that time. And so Uh, really, it was an unfortunate time and a scary time to be a developer relations person. It was scary to be in recruiting or HR. Um, And I also had just been at an organization where I was head of people and it was just really shitty timing where they got acquired and then they kept engine product and told the rest of us that, you know, have a nice life, and as happens with a lot of acquisitions. Um, And so I was also job searching in that moment. Um, And so I think that as things have settled, people are realizing that, of course, like, well, now that we understand we can keep the lights on, it actually is very important to have these people, they can do their work, as we all knew individually, they can do this work without like having to touch the, the next person, like we're, we're living online all the time. We're all you know tech nerds ourselves. And so we're seeing this uptick in, in really fun and interesting ways of how to do DevRel. Um, Twitch, which is one is my personal favorite at the moment, which we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but I think it's become now a time of re- rehiring, rebuilding teams, getting creative, um, and really like pushing the boundaries of developer relations.
4: I have a kind of a follow-up question to what Will mentioned and then like a, a two two part really. Uh, and, uh, but both pretty brief. When you said three X growth in hiring as far as like what we've seen since December, is yeah. there any, is that, uh, can that be isolated anything? Are we talking globally?
3: That within the U S you know, the the modeling I'm looking at is within the U S and it was something like you know, in, in November, there being a total of maybe 48,000 total engineering positions posted in the U S and then that jumped to 120,000 in January alone.
4: And Um, and you said a lot of them are coming from larger companies like GE and do you have any?
3: Amazon by far is the biggest one. Um, they're scooping up. Um, and I'm also looking at data of like, where do they go afterwards too? Right. And if I, I can actually pull up the model here, um, and, it, you know, GE is on a fever pitch as well, it looks like. Um, let me look through. Uh, Walmart, J.B. Mark & Chase, AT&T, a lot of the big business uh, business consulting firms, like the big three consulting firms, BCG, McKinsey, Bain, the, they are also going through digital transformations to better support, you know, the consulting of these big F100 companies and F500 companies and, and trying to get new digital talent, specifically, devrel right because you know not these companies these b2b companies are not just selling to you know a ceo or even a cio now like they they're selling into developers there's products being it's getting the layers are getting much more complex where there's products just for dev and these companies are figuring that out and they're they they all want the shiny unicorn or someone who is really a badass coder but also knows how to speak build community and have a strong personal brand
1: I always think it's funny when um, when we get to this stage where it's like the really large organizations are finally like buying into this thing that the smaller yeah. orgs have been doing for a while. And what I like to equate it to, just in a very playful way, and hey, I live in the Midwest myself, is like when us Midwest folks like start wearing a fashion trend, it's like, oh, it's over then. <laughs> and obviously not that DevRel is over, but it's like, of course, yeah. Like the coastal folks have been doing it forever. And I'm just like, have you seen this? these new shoes?
3: I, I think it's also just these these bigger companies. They move really slowly. Uh, they they evolve slowly. And I and I know as somebody who 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 goes into some big companies. I worked with with GE, and, and then when they were going through that that transition from you know they they sold off all the you know dishwasher com- businesses and the financial business, and they were like we're a we're a software company now. You remember those ads that came out with uh, that guy? He goes and tells he's telling his friends, "Oh, I just got a new." A new job and they're like "Oh, where'd you go and they're like ge he said ge and they're like oh so you're like working on a train now and it was really clever it was so clever it's like, way- it's like it's like those buick commercials were like oh you're yeah. driving a buick oh that's cool yeah buicks are cool yeah but it, but it, it was a multi-year process to get people any candidates or even developers to think about ge as a place but but frankly the developers at that company are doing I mean, world changing stuff. I mean, they're 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 building code and AI and machine learning that that is helping make sure that plane crashes never happen. that's curing cancer, right? but but they don't know about this stuff. and it takes it just takes a company like a GE a monolithic amount of time to 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 steer that ship slowly in a better direction. So it's easier for a small startup with 5, 10, 15 people to get into this world than it is for the larger t- tech companies.
5: I have a question about the the glut of people looking for work into now the abundance of companies looking to hire people. Um, it's hard to understand, especially with people switching jobs and people having jobs, moving to different jobs. Um, and I'm going to toss this to you first, Jill, but would you consider this – um, uh, like pro for the employer or pro for the employee, meaning that are companies having all these options on who they can hire, or they really are searching for people, or are people who are looking for work have their choice of jobs, and they can be more, uh, let's say, exclusive to who they want to go with?
1: Yeah. So I really think this is a time that's pro the employee. Um, we're in a really good space. And I always tell the folks that I'm I'm working with on an individual basis who are job searching to take the time to write down and think about what you're looking for and be very selective. Um, and so with just like the plethora out there to make sure that you're not just focused on the one who can let you work remote for the top dollar, which is like the you know, obviously those things are nice too, but like really think about like full circle where you can have the most opportunity, where you can make the biggest impact, um, work-life balance, all those things that, that you want and need. Um, but really just to make sure you're thinking through these because it is easy to get, um, get distracted by something bright and shiny, actually to Will's point, and maybe think about, the GEs or the others that you wouldn't necessarily think about first, like maybe not the hotness, but that do have this incredible opportunity.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, the supply and demand is not equal right now. Um, and it is still, you know, I think a lot of people were in our industry screaming when the pandemic hit that, Oh my gosh, we're going to go back to an employer led market. And they're not going to focus as much on things like employer branding and trying to attract developers into their companies. But that has not turned out to be true, if anything. And as, as, a, as a owner of a firm that does both technical hiring and employer brand building for companies, um, I've seen both sides of my business grow exponentially going into this new year. People are – the pandemic, if anything, has gotten companies to focus more on branding themselves and really putting their culture out there to attract the right folks into their company. And there it's like, we're having a moment in the employer brand nerd space right now. Uh, and it's super, super uh, important for I think candidates to do the same thing that companies are doing with branding yourself and putting your out there because um, recruiters are using new tactics. There's new technology. There's AI matching. Like you, I, I can't wait till we get into the topic where we talk about what, what candidates need to keep in mind when applying into companies right now because i got a ton
2: oh cool then let's let's go there um because i mean one of the things i mean especially in DevRel, one of the things that we consider uh is like what about you know how does our personal brand fit into this how does our involvement in certain communities or non-involvement in certain other communities how does that affect the way that an employer looks at at us so like how, how do all these things how do these all these pieces fit together
1: I mean, I think DevRel from the beginning has always had a a personal branding spin to it in a different way than a regular like day-to-day developer does. Although we see some like blurred lines because of Twitter or other like social networking spaces where there's like Twitter famous developers who are just like doing coding. Um, And so I think that it's it's an interesting space and it's when has it dev a developer relations person, so much more so than anyone else, you have to be so cognizant of literally everything you've ever put on the internet. And of course, like, yes, everyone should be thinking of those things, but it hits a little different <laughs> in the DevRel space. Um, and so really being able to not only like build a online portfolio, whatever that looks like of your content, whether it's writing or streaming, et cetera, but also being really aware of what you're putting out there on a day to day like twitter bi- twitter basis and who you are either intentionally unintentionally including or excluding from your search by what you're what you're putting out there
3: yeah no i completely agree and i had some really interesting experience when i i was introduced to you know this developer relations role at first it was at twilio which is really i mean they they help shape I think yeah, that why, role. Why not start at the top, right? Well, I mean, and, and, and which was amazing. Um, and and I actually was responsible for that that hiring at the company uh, as the early tailor coming in. And the things that they really look for um, were hard to find. In, in in some of your typical developers, it was you know they they had to be amazing coders and fast because you're the the for for Twilio at the time when they the, what they really um, you know saw a, a, a developer relations. Uh, person as was that as the face of the company to the developer community as community builders they go to hackathons and they're the designers of the fun and they're using that you know Twilly's own technology to make this happen And, and so it was the most coveted and most important role hired at the company but that was so early on right no one else was thinking of that that way. But they've seen the success of Twilio. They've seen what a, a successful IPO that became to be and, and how sticky they've become into the tech community. Uh, and it is because of that developer relations role. And so what a lot of companies are looking for, I think, in, in developer relations people is, is yeah, a, a good presence, but still those good coding chops, which is, uh, again, it's just hard. I think most people who are amazing coders maybe have a natural inclination. You know, They are more introverted, right? Um, it's hard to find... You know uh, both things, but that skill set is growing. As I think, there's more access to to learning when it comes to uh, to coding and 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 in your developer skills, and more of open source sharing of knowledge is making this easier. And so, contributing to that open source is is I think truly key.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. So the first time I was, like, I interacted at all with DevRel was when I was at Rackspace. uh, And maybe, like, eight years ago or something, we were hiring a team of, like, this new new team. I kind of didn't know what it was. And they basically, we hired someone from each community, you know, Ruby, Python, et cetera, who owned the SDK for Rackspace. And so we were basically just, like, trying to hire celebrities from these communities to come work and so they would also like work the booth with me sometimes and be able to like kind of sell kind of not it was really just like kind of a hot mess we were all just figuring this out uh, met a lot of great people still friends with all of them um but yeah like I kind of feel it's one of those looking back you're just like oh yeah none of us had any idea what we were doing yeah. um, and then they were like oh this like Devrel thing should we put like, how do we put a, put an ROI to it to the company? How do we measure people's work at the company? Um, and so those communities started building. People were talking about it, and so now it's been interesting to see the pivot that has happened in like really getting folks, even early career who are able to do DevRel work, really, really. Um, just uh connect with different communities, which I is so fun and I love to see. And I so I love that evolution. Um, I will say just because this is like a kind of like soapbox for me. I do think there are, and I'm not picking on you well. I do think there are a lot of developers who are introverted, but I don't like that stereotype.
3: I don't either. I know yeah. <laughs> I totally don't agree with it at yeah. all. But yeah. so
1: so I just have to like say that. Um and so but but I do think that a traditional developer and a devrel human are different types of humans who do that work best.
3: Yeah. And they thrive on on community and feedback and in in collaboration in a bigger way. And I I, did, I have noticed too that you know there, there's becoming specialization even within uh, DevRel, which is which has been uh, honestly like a really cool thing to see uh, because it, it makes it easier for employers too. They go, like we really need this type of thing. Oh, good. There's a community for that type of del- You know, so uh, all good.
0: Yeah, that was actually my next question. Um, given the fact that, you know, we've kind of evolved from this, like, wear of many hats to companies hiring more and more specialized DevRel roles, um, how do you kind of identify the right folks for these specializations? And also, uh, conversely, for since it's kind of more of a seeker's market right now, um, how does s- sort of like creating for lack of a better word, appealing job posts and listings um, influence sort of like what priorities, uh, what hiring priorities happen at a company. Um, Do you shift around or do you find companies that you're working with kind of shifting around who they're hiring for based on whether it's a seekers or a, you know, um, a a hirer's market um, and how the special specialization kind of plays into that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it's when it's a seeker's market, it's just you know I, I I would have offers out for Dev Dev uh, Devrel person, uh, and then Apple would come in and drop a quarter million salary on them, and there's nothing I could do about it. That that's what it feels like to try to hire some of these well-known. Uh, folks. Um, I think what's great about the specialization it, it, and, and what determines that is what the goal of the organization is for the developer relations team, right? Um, sometimes that goal is brand awareness and more marketing. Sometimes it's more sales oriented and it's about flow and filling pipeline of, of, of actual activated leads. And so that's different. And and it does take a different type of, of developer uh, relations uh, person. So like, uh, I think also the the goal. Sometimes it's it's specialization by the the channel that they're doing. They have some, there's some people that are just focused on open source community and that, that program internally and setting what is what are the, you know what are the boundaries you know working with legal working with PR on what can be shared and what can't and developing uh, a true policy around it. And they're so there's sort of policy wonk uh, and, and 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 open source community like gods in some ways and goddesses, but then there's, there's other folks that it's more about social. Um, it's social and more external communities uh, and, 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 and brand awareness. So I think for me, writing that job description, just dis- deciding, you know, what kind of, 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 folks you're trying to attract really depends on the the business goal of the organization.
4: Yeah. I want to jump in here because I feel like this is a super important thing to pause on for a moment because um, Jill pointed out, you know, not that long ago is a little bit, it was a lot more white, like Wild West in the DevRel world totally. in terms of just get us the people that everybody have heard of, and let them do their thing. Like that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like how it was. And now, and kind it's gotten, of, and
2: kind of. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's kind of like you would, as a DevRel practitioner, you would watch people fight over you. Um, it was very, it was, it was very, um, it was kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of nice. <laughs> not well, for this side. <laughs> the, for the, the, us, the, for us not like, for you. I know. It was <laughs> definitely for us. <laughs>
4: the thing is like today, I think, it, it, you know, we've gotten to where we now have much more clear uh, OKRs or, you know, goals as Will's pointing out. Um, We are, uh, I think, realizing that there are people out there who specialize in certain things, whether that's community, like just interactions, or maybe they're, you know, Will was saying, like, people just love the strong coders and the, like, people can code fast. Guess what? I'm out. Like, that's not me. I'll never be that. And, um, you know, but I'm still around. So, like, that's not obviously the only people that are getting hired, too. So, I think there's, like, this recognition that there's a lot of things that fall into DevRel. Um, which means that now you don't need those celebrities or at least don't need to call anybody celebrities because we're all just sort of like doing our our thing the you know the best we can and that's that's great because we're all become individually unique and useful to you know a lot of people who need things based on what our skills are so i think it a lot of it points to just like devrel's maturity you yeah. know in general and also companies like realizing that they're not when i say they like us collectively as, as DevRel, we um, aren't just a tool that you can like throw at any problem. You know, like we we sort of play a role depending on the goals of the company and, and the goals of the business and the goals of lots of things, you know? So it, it, to me, it's just, it's there's been this like kind of hard question around celebrity. And I think, you know, to me, this is kind of pointing out that, yeah, we have to recognize that maybe it was like that.
3: I kind of you know? equate it to like oh, how companies and especially like SaaS software do with uh, hiring sales folks, right? It used to be like, I, I really want to, I want to find those people that are my competitor that are going to bring a whole book of business over already. You know uh, that's sort of changing now. It's like, no, are you good? Do you have these skill sets? We're going to, we're going to give you the tools. I think the same thing with, with DevRel. It's like, you don't need a celebrity. If you need someone who's really great, and if you're a good organization with a large customer base and already some existing communities, you 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 king make and queen maker. You know that person. Give them a platform and watch them fly. You know. I think it really is. Uh, it, it's not always needed.
1: Yeah, I think that Deborah reached a point over the last you know year or so where it the real question was build versus buy. And because we can't just, not everyone has the cash to buy this small group of DevRel humans who have done this for five plus years, because that's a really niche group of people. And so how do we build this person? And one thing to to look out for, I would say, for uh, individuals getting into developer relations or who want to get into developer relations is to be aware of organizations who are hiring you for the first DevRel role, because I have seen this go badly more times than I can count of They do not understand Devrel, which is fine. We all don't understand things sometimes, and so they hire someone who is early career Devrel or like no first career first job as Devrel and say go, and they don't turn into you know X Y or Z person who's internet famous in a few months. And they're like, well, what do you do? What do you even do at work? Well, de- and-
2: Devrel is a total failure.
1: Yeah, totally, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. It's just something to consider as well of like how, I mean, I think this in every role too. think about as you're interviewing, how you are potentially being set up for a success or failure within that position.
0: Completely. And I think it kind of boils down to the industry not being fully caught up with the fact that DevRel is actually a domain and not an individual role. And so I think that there's just sort of tech industry-wide knowledge sharing that needs to happen to to you know, clarify that.
2: Well, I, I think that part of it too. One of the things that's helped, at least, is is and she's not even here. And I'm going to do is Mary's book. We're going to push Mary's book. But I think that in, in some ways, like it, it's little things like helping helping the organization you're a part of to understand that you are not like you don't just hire an engineer. You hire an engineer who is a backend engineer or a front end engineer. UI UX database like whatever it is that you're looking for you're hiring for something for sp- specific. Whenever I've talked to anyone and they say hey hey um we're hiring a devrel and it's like I'm not I'm not even relatively sure that that's a correct use of the word. And it 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 makes it 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 does make it seem especially, you know, when I did when I do things with devrelate, they're hiring a lot of people coming because they're like we're going to get PJ, it's like that's not exactly how that company works. Um and it, it it's not supposed to. If you want to put names on things, that's that's fine. But that's not where the value lies anymore. The value lies in what's being provided to the community. The community wants to see the organization, be it, you know, young startup out in San Francisco or GE coming in and saying like, hey, we did this really cool accessibility study, check it out. It's the ability to communicate that, not the person who's communicating it, I think is, is the key. And that's what, you know, especially folks new to DevRel, those are some red flags to watch out for. So I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because it's a great, great point.
3: Yeah, and, and I think, too, as you're applying into these companies, they should probably know what's going on in the recruiting technology side of things and how, how people are being evaluated now. Uh, there is new technology being deployed at these tech companies, and actually the earlier-stage tech companies have greater access to this technology than the big enterprise ones because implementing this there is so much more expensive and costly and time-consuming. But these small and mid-sized tech startups, they're on things like Eightfold. like a, It's a smart AI neural network. Two past Googlers built this that, I mean, literally, it, it scours the open web. Um, it, it, it matches uh, uh, job descriptions uh, or, or, sorry, uh, resumes to uh, open job descriptions and says, hey, these are the five people. It used to be you apply into a company, uh, li- likely, if they can get to you, uh, a recruiter is going to look at your resume. Now, they don't even have to. Um, there's an AI matching you. So it's, the keywords in your resume are important um those those systems are also doing another part of the recruiter's job now which is scouring the open web and your entire social footprint and building a profile within that system all you're doing is dragging and dropping a resume then it pulls all your total social uh, network and visibility that you have online your whole internet footprint into their systems and lets them get a good uh, view of who you are and that ai is assigning sometimes who that recruiters reaching out to so you know, keeping those things in mind, knowing that means that you got to leverage more of your, your your relationships to get in or really try to gain the system and build up the right resume that's going to work with these AI uh, uh, algorithms.
5: You mentioned these tools, which puts a powerful portfolio in front of the employer um, to then go to the candidate and say, this is the person we want. My, my question is... Um, from hearing horror stories of people who get these linkedin requests or i know someone who got a, a a a cash app fund of like requests for like hey can we have a chat um could you share some things for employers what not to do so that when candidates hear or get approached that way they can have that little red flag of this may be a problem i'll start with you will
3: Oh man, there's like, we have whole Facebook groups just yeah. showing rec- bad recruiter behavior. Um, I mean, first off, uh, you know, if I think about the sourcer role, we, so we have we have specialization within recruiting as well, right? You have recruiters who are full stack, full life cycle, and you've got front end, which are sourcers and back ends, or which are more like executive recruiters, right? Uh, or, or, or uh, 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 you know, and then, then recruiting coordinators. So for sourcers, you know, they, they really pride themselves and really doing the research and knowing you can at first i think lazy recruiters they'll they'll do some basic keyword searches and then just massive spam people on linkedin um and and instead of actually looking at the profile they think it's time saving but it's actually brand destroying um because you're reaching out like even i i as a as a recruiting background person i get messages from recruiters on linkedin or an email sometimes tell me about a a really exciting front end or back-end dev position that they have just because I have in my LinkedIn profile that I'm hiring for those types of roles. They didn't even take the chance, the time to look at it. So at the same time, recruiters are really busy and there's a lot they're trying to manage and they make mistakes and they're human. So I think, you know, there's grace that needs to happen on both sides because there's bad behavior that does happen on both sides.
1: My number one thing is, uh, I would say, just never blindly trust technology. <laughs> and oh, so yeah, just like because this tool exists doesn't mean it's going to do a good job. Um, I am very fortunate in that I am a team of one. I work with teams that typically don't have recruiting orgs or I'm a, a, a you know a, an extension of a small team. I am old school, I don't use tools. I am just like very human because that's what makes me happy. And so, and I, and I realize that I'm in a privileged position to do that, like I've worked my way up to be able to have that time and space. Um, but yeah, it is, I think that it is the grasp for, and this is outside of recruiting too, the new hotness on the market and what's going to make my job easier what's the silver bullet this is the thing this is the jam like just don't know that it's gonna screw you over probably in some way and then you'll figure it out but there's always a fall in your face part of technology as well um and so just be aware of that
3: yeah i think it's absolutely a balance right because if 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 you use automation and technology the right way uh, it actually allows you as a recruiter to have more time to be human and spend more time on the you know the relationship you have with your candidates and the relationship with their and for your hiring managers i think when a recruiter is stuck doing manual admin um you know for a majority of their week it it leaves less time for the the human work um right and so it is a balance though cuz you can over automate and really miss out on some really great talent
2: And I I hope that if anybody only listened to the last sentence, that we also just covered a full DevOps episode. If you over automate, that could be a problem. Um, But yeah, so we're going to get to one of my favorite parts of the show the part that I hold nearest and dearest to my heart. And that's the checkout. So we'll run through, I'll go first, then we'll kind of follow with, uh, these could be things from the technology world that we were excited about or um, something that was related to the conversation, something that wasn't, doesn't really matter. But these are things that everybody here thinks you should check out. And I will get started and then I will toss it over to Jill. Um, but I, I'd start with uh, some of my friends at the company Scout APM, uh, Application Performance Monitoring, are running a a brand new conference called SpotCon, and it's all about performance, observability, and transformation. Uh, Anyone who registers, you register for free. Anyone who registers gets to pick uh, one of five open source projects to donate $5 to. So the more people that register, the more these open source projects get some cash to keep doing the great things that they're doing. Uh, So check that out at spotcon.scoutapm.com slash 2021. I know that's complicated. We'll put it in the show notes, don't worry. Um, And also if you haven't watched WandaVision, get off your butt and watch wandavision it's really really good i will forewarn you there is nothing after the credits and the credits last five minutes because there's like 85 translations of it but it's a it's good they're up to i think episode five comes out tonight they're coming out like on a on a regular friday basis i'm not 100 sure what time that is but check out wandavision those are my two checkouts jill what do you got
1: Cool. Um, I'm I'm late to this game, but I have just been getting really into Twitch lately. Um, I think it was spurred by well, one um, Jen Schiff last year started a Hoobastank Twitch stream with some of her friends, so I started watching, and then the New Relic launched their New Relicans group, uh, and so I've just been really into it, and it's been filling this need of just like hearing people talk about kind of normal things and not having to like actively engage with them. Like it seems kind of like maybe overheard coffee shop conversations sometimes that I've just missed. Um, and also then I just get to be like sassy in the chat, which I also enjoy. Um, so that's been my new thing. Also, I've been very into Lego lately, all the time. I'm trying to make hashtag Lego queers happen on Twitter.
2: Um, lately?
1: <laughs> Fair Fair. We're getting Lego shelving put in <laughs> on Monday. I- oh I'll gosh. share on Twitter. And then, lastly, because I'm a I'm a, a multifaceted woman, um, my wife and I have been very into Love Island UK. We watch an episode every night. There is truly like 50 episodes a season. It's insane, and every episode is better than the last. Trust me. If you like trash TV, subtitles please because you need it for their uh, their um, accents.
2: That's all I got. That is <laughs> that is amazing. Um, Wesley.
5: Comments um, on the previous ones. So I was on the New Relicant stream. That was so much fun. Uh, so, so plus plus to that. Um, and if you love Legos and you love television, Lego Masters on Hulu is also really fun. And uh, we've discovered it during the quarantine. And my kids love it. Uh, It's hosted by Will Arnett, a.k.a. Batman in the Lego world. And so that is also fun. Um, The checkout that I wanted to bring is um, a conference. Uh, It's FinTech DevCon. It's from September 8th through 9th in Denver, Colorado. Uh, The CFP just opened up for for, uh, accepting talks. Um, But that's not the big, big thing that has drawn my attention to it. This is an in-person conference in Denver, Colorado. It's the first one I've heard about in the tech space. And I'm going to keep a close eye on this to see how it plays out. Will they stay on schedule? What the attendees will look like? What are they doing for precautions for the speakers and the attendees? All of that. So um, it, it, it just want, I just heard about it this week and uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be like a test case and let's see if it goes well.
4: Cool. Jason? Yeah, I've just got really one check out for this episode um, because it's consuming every moment of my time, basically. Uh, it's uh, But it's a new exciting thing that by the time this airs, by the time this podcast is out, it will have kicked off, uh, I'm assuming, because it'll be February 22nd or later, um, that a new daily show will be kicking off on Learn TV, um, which is part of Mo- Microsoft's like Learn online learn platform. And, uh, yeah, I'll be hosting the very first one on a Monday and I'll be the Monday host and we'll be doing it every single day for 30 minutes. Um, be, sounds something very similar to what Jill was talking about. It's just like 30 minutes, a bunch of people popping in and out, talking about all kinds of fun and interesting things. Um, and just, you know, kind of having fun with it. So I'm looking forward to that. And I would say that to, to find it, go to jhan.dev slash learn TV. I know that link will take you straight there.
2: Very cool, and we'll definitely again. We'll definitely link that up in the notes. Uh, Will, what do you got for us?
3: Yeah, um, I just want to pile on to WandaVision. Uh, <laughs> loving it. Uh, that last episode was my favorite. Stunning. Where it just totally, Stunning. just, just changed dynamically. I'm like, there it is. My wife was totally loving the whole 60s, 70s era type stuff. That uh, those genres are really cool. it's it it's like finally, you know a a, a, you know, a, a comic book geek, you know, show that I can watch with my wife and she's also really into it um, in, in a big way. So love it, love it, love it. Um, And then, and then personally, like if you're interested in learning more about like what's changing and evolving in, in talent uh, in talent and in recruiting, uh, even if you're not in recruiting our blog, our practice, talent.com slash blog has a lot of good information. And we, we do a whole uh, YouTube series on, Future of Work trends. So this is good for both job seekers and companies. Um, we have a podcast where we do some really great guests as well. Um, uh, you know, so I, I think that's worth checking out. Uh, whether you're in, in recruiting HR or not.
2: Awesome. Very very cool. And SJ, who I saved for left, especially because you know I get to see the script, um, and I saw what your second checkout is. So that's yeah. I'm I'm waiting on this. I'm waiting on this.
0: Yeah, I knew what you did. I saw what you did there. I saw what you did. And as per usual tradition, mine have absolutely nothing to do with tech and are entirely random. Um, But my book club is currently reading Reckless by Selena Montgomery, who is the nom de plume due to for House Minority Leader of Georgia, Stacey Abrams. So it seems to be a slightly salacious, exciting novel of love and revenge and murder. And I'm just very excited to get into it. Um, So, I love people with complex identities, so that's that's very cool. Um, and then uh, my final shout out is to something I've discovered recently. Um, as someone who has recently moved, this is unrelated to this thing, but I have recently moved to New York and I happen to live across the street from a Trader Joe's, which is being in um, quarantine-ish, that's been like the main thing I've been doing is going to Trader Joe's a lot. And I recently discovered the Everything Bagel seasoning, which I have been putting on literally all of my food, like everything that you can even think, including ice cream. Um, too far
2: SJ too far. I
0: know, I know, but like, I don't want to get into that whole everything bagel ice cream flavor thing that was on Twitter, but, um, all you need to do is buy the seasoning and just put it on vanilla. It's good to go. Uh, yeah. So wild times over at my house these days.
2: So if you're looking for everything bagels, go to Trader Joe's. And if you don't find it at Trader Joe's in, in, in Manhattan, go to SJ's apartment. She probably has all of it because she bought it.
0: I bought a lot, but I think there exists, um, spinoffs of the Trader Joe's version. Um, on the internets, most likely.
2: So, Will, Jill, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like this is really enlightening, and I think people are going to get a lot of positive information out of it. I know we didn't cover as much as we hoped to, so hopefully we can get you back on an episode. Jill, you know that's going to happen. Will, you're going to have to come too. Um, You're part of the team now. We'll just keep making more offshoot side quest podcasts. That's what we'll do. But as we know, uh, I always like to, to close with a, a quote from the hip hop genre. For those of you who are familiar with the concept of hip hop coming up through the 70s and 80s, um, but I try to tie it into what we're doing. So, something a little inspirational from Nas, uh, infamous New York City rapper. He had to say, I know I can be what I want to be. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I want to be. And that's our episode for this month. And thanks for listening.
1: This has been Community Pulse. Learn more at communitypulse.io and on Twitter at community underscore pulse. Your hosts are Mary
0: Thingball, Mary underscore Grace on Twitter, Jason Hand, Jason Hand
1: on Twitter, PJ Haggerty, Asplenic on Twitter, SJ Morris, Sarah Jane Morris on Twitter, and Wesley Faulkner, Wesley83 on
0: Twitter. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.